A lot of thoughts and emotions are invoked as one approaches midlife. And if you are at this stage, then today's episode is especially for you. However, if you're not, if you're younger, this episode is going to share so much wisdom from our guest today, you won't want to miss the nuggets that you can glean from. Today, we welcome Chris Bruno, who is co-founder and CEO of Restoration Project and founder and CEO of Restory Counseling. Chris has dedicated his career to helping people come alive and has written extensively on masculine identity, fatherhood, and building genuine friendships. So with his mission and in honor of Father's Day approaching, I knew Chris would be a timely guest. And through personal examples and metaphors, we're going to discuss the importance of recognizing and dealing with personal issues finding trustworthy mentors, and doing the tough work required to achieve personal growth and development. We also emphasize the lost concept of becoming an elder and the importance of looking within oneself for identity. Like I said, you're not going to want to miss today's episode. So if you're looking for a roadmap for creating a life filled with joy, purpose, and fulfillment, then listen in. Join us now as we explore the power of living intentionally, exploring purpose and fulfillment in the second half of life with Chris Bruno. Welcome to Created to Thrive. I'm your host, Lori Snyder. If you desire a deeper connection with God, want to know your value and purpose, then you, my friend, are in the right place. I will teach God's word in a simple and practical way to equip and empower you to become who he created you to be because you were created to thrive. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually with podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff. You can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. All right, friends. Well, today on the podcast, I'm excited to have our new friend, Chris Bruno, with us today. And Chris Bruno is the co-founder and CEO of Restoration Project and founder and CEO of Restory Counseling, devoting his life to helping people come alive. He is the author of Sage, A Man's Guide into His Second Passage, Man Maker Project, A Father's Guide into Initiating His Son to Manhood, and Brotherhood Primer, A Journey into Genuine Masculine Friendships. So his three books are right there, and I'll have all that in the show notes. And uh, Chris is also a licensed professional counselor and has decades of experience helping men recover their hearts. And so I'm excited because Chris lives in Colorado. And if you've been listening to me any length, you know that we've lived in Colorado before. And Chris has a wife of 27 years, and they have three mostly adult children, and they enjoy adventures in Colorado mountains and overseas when possible. And he says that he loves Jeeps, streams, whiskey, Scotland, and everything Celtic. So welcome, Chris. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here with you both. Yeah. 
And I have my husband, Fred, on the podcast with me today because I thought it would be great to have his perspective as a man, you know, we're both in our 50s and going into the second half of life to really learn and hear you share how do we navigate from an intentional purpose into the second season of life and really uh, discovering God's purpose in it for us. So. Yeah, well, I'm really excited to to dive in and talk through some of those things. So uh, that has been the work that I've devoted myself to, especially I'm also in my 50s. And so this this season is something that, you know, I don't know if you experienced this. It's almost like we have this idea of just we're going to we're going to get older and just kind of get older. And it, it just happens. And we just there there's not an intentional passage into the what I call the sage years of life. So that is. Uh, that is what I've devoted myself to the last couple of years, really to think about those things. Well, Chris, I, I just want to say first and foremost, the, the, your, the Sage book, I, I found it um, incredibly refreshing for, for a, a couple of reasons. I, I, there's a lot of work out there about understanding um, the, the, the issues that men and women have, um, you know, trying to overcome things and, 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 and trying to be diagnostic in a sense that, okay, we've identified these things. We know why these things happen and, and you're going to have to deal with these things. But what I really want to applaud you for and Sage, which I highly recommend is not only you do, not only you talk about the identifying the diagnostic work, but you actually create a roadmap or a blueprint, or I'm in the construction business. So we build houses. So we have to have a plan. And we have to apply the right tools and we have to put it all together to build it, to make it an effective house. And what I like about Sage is not only you identify what the issues are, men being stuck in the first half of their life or not really even growing beyond their adolescence and being some cases, 50 and 60 year old boys. Yep. But what you do is identify the problem you, you, and you provide a roadmap of what you really need to do to be able to go to the next level. And some of that is is the, the very difficult heart work that you have to go through. And I like what you say that you have to do that heart work. You have to get into the messy items. What I what I really like that you said you have to do it with somebody. You have to share with somebody that's that that has already gone through that, or as a mentor, or as somebody that's in a position to help guide you. Uh, and, you know, it's in, 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 you know, and, and the way I believe the Lord has this kingdom work is, you know, he sent, sent the disciples out two by two for a very specific reason, you know, and, and, and we walk together and I think there's power in that. And, but I just want to let you speak on that of, but thank you for providing a, 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 not just not a book, but an, a, a substantive, substantive plan for moving forward from, mm -hmm. from the tough times of your life to go to to a stage. So thank you for the blueprint. And thank you for showing us what that looks like and what that takes. Mm. Well, thank you for the thank you. And you're welcome. <laughs> um, it, it, it really is born out of my own need for that kind of a roadmap. It, it's born out of this reality of like, I also surveyed the literature and I'm like, there's good things out there. And, and the ones that I can understand they don't really give me that sense of like what to do and what's next. And I found myself heading into the second half of my life going, I, I don't know what steps to take. I don't know what to work on. I don't know the things that I want to grow in. And it's not that I'm trying to fix myself. It's, it's, it's a matter of I'm trying to grow myself. And, and those parts of, uh, of me, there's a longing inside of me to grow into that. And I just didn't know what to do. And so 
that was some of the work that I tried to write in there. And, and so, as I said, thank you for your thank you, because it's actually like, it comes across, you actually read that there is a roadmap in there. And I appreciate that. Well, there are plenty of good books that, that show you what your issues are. Okay. That's great. <laughs> but okay. Now what? Now <laughs> you know, and, we get to the you know and, and everybody wants to run away from the tough work. You know, nobody wants to get dirty. Like I say, I build houses. Nobody wants to do the, the hard framing, the hard, you know, yes. we walk in these beautiful mansions, but you know what, before that was a beautiful mansion, there was a lot of dirty work that needed to happen to get to that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like what you said in chapter three, I think it's called in, in phonetically challenged here, but burning is it the Bracken, the Bracken, mm -hmm. and, and it's the heart work, you know, return to the past to regain vision for our future to walk in it in the present that stuck out to me, that really jumped because as men, you know, we want to come across as we have it all together. We want to come across like, like we're, you know, I don't want to share, I don't want to risk. I don't want to be transparent. I certainly don't want to reveal it to anybody, which is you're saying we should find somebody we trust to do it. But burning the bracken was a significant um, taken from my reading of the book that was, is very vital to even trying to get unstuck or move forward. And, and um, if you want to make a comment on that, I'd really love your insight into that. Yeah. Well, let me describe a little bit even what Bracken is. It's not a word that we use a lot here in the United States. So when I uh, was writing the book, I, I have fallen in love with the the Scotland and Ireland and England and and Laurie in the introduction you said I love all things Celtic that there is something very deep in my story in my life that goes all the way back to when I was 16 that kind of birthed this love for that part of the world well when I was writing the book um, I was actually in Ireland for a month to spend focused time trying to put uh, pen to paper and I was on the bus and uh, going from my little town to the little bigger town next door and the, the mountain next to me, the hill was on fire. And I asked the person kind of next to me in the bus, like, what is happening over there? And it's not the kind of forest fire that we have here in Colorado, where you can imagine just like blazes and big trees. Oh, yeah, We've seen them. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. They're awful. <laughs> This was this is more like a brush fire that was kind of covering the the side of the mountain. There are, there were no trees in the mountain, and and the person described to me that that is the the rancher, the farmer, the owner of the land, burning the bracken. And bracken is this invasive, thorny kind of species of of plant that takes over in areas like this in in that part of Ireland and. Uh, if you see kind of big, long stone fence kind of uh, roadways, the bracken is just like overcoming the, the stone wall and it fills the entire field. And what this person described to me was that the, they need to burn it off every few years so that they can get to the fertile soil that is underneath. And once they can get to the fertile soil that is underneath, then it is something that that will then regenerate and start to grow grass again. And then they can graze the sheep and, and the goats that they have and, and it actually becomes a productive part of the mountain and the land. But if they didn't burn the bracken, then they could never get to the grass and nothing can grow, nothing can flourish when there is bracken. And, and if I use that as a metaphor in the book that you're referring to for- sure. How, how things are that kind of grow into our lives and the stories that we live of, of uh, challenge and hardship and trauma. And, and even if it's not like 
what I call capital T trauma uh, in, in those big kind of traumatic moments there, we live in a broken and fallen world. And so just by nature of living in the world that we live in, there are things that are less than perfect. There are things that, that kind of create a space inside of our hearts that we need to tend to. And if we don't tend to it, it will grow. And if it grows, then it becomes thorny and it takes over the fertile soil of the hearts that God has given us. And so some of the work I think of stepping into the second half of our lives is really recognizing what bracken has grown in our hearts, in our way of existence, in our relationships that we need to spend some time, not burning off in a violent kind of way, but burning off in attending to the land kind of way so that there can be a fertile second half of our lives. I don't know about you guys, but far too many people that I know um, are in that second half of life and they're thorny. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And, 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 you know, you like to think you've already been through it, but you know, every once in a while, the thorn, you have your own thorn bushes you got to deal with too. So you got to spend some time, but I think the biggest part of what you're identified is, you know, you have to acknowledge it first. You have to acknowledge these things happen. You got to, you got to get true to yourself and you have to become again, transparent. You're going to have to risk a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think that's the hardest part that men have in this culture and, and possibly women is too, that, you know, to, to get to that fertile ground, that fertile heart that you're talking about where the issues of life well up in us, right. Are supposed to anyway, you know, we have a, a lot of callous over our hearts and a lot of things that cover it and the distractions or the, or the wrong interpretations of things, or the, just the things that need to get burned off. And you have to, and, and Lori does a great job of this as, as a mentor and a, in a, in a, in a coach is, you know, getting to the heart. And sometimes, you know, you're going to have to burn the bracket off. That's why that jumped out at me because, you know, when we were in our separation, we had to go do some serious heart work. So when I read that, I was, I get this, I, you have to go back to those things, you know, to, 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 to deal with it. It is again, going back to what you said, chapter three, return, return to the past to regain, to regain the vision. So you can employ it for per se and, and walk in it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's very powerful. And, and the fact is the Bracken is not the, it is not the original story. There is something underneath that that the land was designed to be fertile. You were designed to be able to bring life and, and offer life to others as well, both for yourself and other people and the bracken has invaded. So if you don't acknowledge it, just like you said, you have to name it, you have to acknowledge it. And then you have to do the work of, of tending to it, of, of removing it. When you do that and, and you too have done that work, there can be a lot more connection, a lot more goodness, a lot more life. And, and the way that I like to talk about it is the Bracken is the second story. It's not the first. That's right. The Bracken yes. is that second story that came to invade the first story. And the first That's story right. who God made you to be. And I've, I talk about the second passage, the journey of a person's life into that second half is more the returning to who God originally designed you to be. That's the work that I think we're called to do. And, and from a biblical principle, it makes me think of Genesis one was God's original intent. And then we have Genesis three, where sin brought the thorns and the thistle yeah. in the laboring, but then Jesus 
is the answer that he became that curse and sin to redeem mankind back to that original tent that God had when he created mankind in the garden to walk and talk and to know who he is and who we are in him so that we can thrive and be all that God has called us to be. So um, I just applaud what, what you do and what your mission and purpose of life is. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. And I 100% agree with all the things you just said. So yeah, Chris, I mean, Chris, I mean, I deal with men all the time in, in, in my line of work. And, and, you know, and it's, 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 it's very challenging. To, it's very challenging to see men struggle. You know, they struggle, but they, they, they tie their identity, not to the not to who they truly are the first the from God's created perspective, but they actually tie their identity in their value of life to the, to their status, to their position, to their accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And, and they're just lost in this, this social, uh, socially, I don't know what the right word would, it would be uh, mandated identity deal and pressure and so forth. So Yes, I, I like what you use in the book regarding the Mona Lisa. If you ask Mona Lisa, what are you? And, you know, I'm, a, I'm an X by X picture that sits on a wall, but not really. <laughs> but so I, I really like your metaphor teaching on, on really what that, how you, how you use that from original intent or to that perspective to go and in, in moved into the second part of life and with the second part. So um, I think it's important, but I see what do you, I guess my question for you is what is our biggest challenge as a culture to try to get men to just even recognize there's a need for, for sage in, in a book like this? Oh, well, part of what I'm trying to do is even raise awareness that this is a thing. Um, and it's, it's a recently lost thing. I would say that generations ago, the moving from you know, through life into becoming an elder. And I don't mean like the elder position at a church, but more the elder position in a society. Becoming an elder was really the, the destination that most, most societies, most cultures revered and hoped for and longed for. And I feel like what we have done, you know, and there's, you know, sociological ways that we could talk about this with the industrial revolution and, and where retirement has come into play over the last hundred years, 150 years, how we've lost this sense of what does it mean to be an elder? And I, I really consider that kind of the pinnacle, the destination of what we can, we, we are the most who most us when we are an elder and that most us is partnering with God to bring about goodness in the world. And if we lose a sense of what that sage, that elder is, and not have any idea that that's a thing that we're supposed to kind of grow and continue to mature even more into that elder, then, then I think we lose so much wealth, so much wisdom, so much presence that really was designed by God to be in, in the world. I feel like what we're, what we're experiencing in our culture today is really a bankruptcy as a result of not having these kinds of elders in, in our world and our society. So the first thing I want to do is just like raise awareness to this is still a thing, people. This is still a, a destination that God has designed for us to move towards. Uh, and then and then is going back to what you said a little while ago is how do we get there? What is the roadmap for us to get there? There are some specific things that I think are really important for us to work on. Um, so 
that's that's part of it with men. The the other part, and you mentioned this just a moment ago, is how often we uh, kind of hitch our identity onto something else or someone else. And I talk about this in the book also, and and use the word personas to talk about this because it's it's who I am is is my career. Who I am is whether or not I'm married or I have children or I have a big bank account or what kind of car I drive. And and when you think about the proverbial midlife crisis, it is where we come to the point of saying, hey, the the place that I've hitched my identity so far isn't working. So let me find something else to hitch myself to. And if that is a new car or a new career or a new spouse, whatever it is, that's not gonna end up working either. Yeah. And so for us to just come to the awareness of that my identity is not found out here in, in, in the world, my identity has to be found in here and in the inside of who I am. And that's a hard thing for guys. Um, I think it's a hard thing for women too, in, in a different flavor of the same experience. But, uh, but having that sense of uh, the persona, what is your persona? What do you project out into the world? What what is your you know hope for uh, people to see of who you are, and is that actually who you are? Um, because at the end of the day, it's 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 not going to end up serving you well. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head when you identified the six areas of your life, pretty much when that'll that 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 are become evident as you become moving into the sage role. Which I like how you also say that you're just beginning this process of being in the yeah. sage role as well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the the, the one really jumped out at me: the se- settled contentment. I'm t- that is that you know number one on the list: settled contentment. So that you take somebody that's been pursuing the dollar, the the I call them the, the the masks and the facades you know the mask is the person you think you are and try to pretend to be in front of people and the facade is all the material all the material things you go out and buy to support that support that mask so you have mask and facades but settled contentment is a whole different element it's a whole different league where you just wake up you mature into a, a place where okay now it's not about pretending to be somebody now it's about being me and get instead of being a taker or something now being being a uh, being a giver or being giving out instead of taking in and 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 that was that's a significant that's a significant transition in one in a, in a man or woman's life when they be instead of you know taking becoming a mentor um you also say uh, space uh, spacious inner hospitality is when people ask you and you have an opportunity to speak into somebody's life, take it. Yeah. You know, you have something to give and, and you know, not, don't just hoard that wisdom. Be, be willing to graciously give out the things that God has taught you and, and the things you've matured in. So there's six of them. It's a great, it's a t- tremendous, they're all good. But that, that one from someone who's been chasing the dollar their whole life and trying to trying to prove to the world that we're significant and that we're we matter and that we're all of this important that's a, that's a, that's that's a tough one to swing to yeah well i love your words you know the the masks and the facades and whatever language we end up using for it i think there's something the way that i like to think about it is this and and we probably i i hope that most of us you know and those that are listening have an, an example of this in their lives is that when this man, when this woman walks into the room, 
everyone just kind of takes a deep breath. Like, we're going to be okay because she's here. We're going to be okay because he's here. And it's not because all of a sudden he or she has filled the room and it's now all about them. It's the exact opposite. Like as they walk into the room, Mm -hmm. there is enough space for me to be who I am because they have enough space for them to be who they are. And there is, there's no competition anymore. They don't need to be the biggest person in the room. Uh, And that, that contentment is just that there is enough, there is enough and there is enough space for you. And there's enough space for me. And there's enough converse, you know, I, I can give you as much as I, as you need, because there's enough inside of me to offer. I, I, as it relates to spacious inner hospitality, I really, really enjoyed reading the the section about the, um, the ministry you went to where the six people came in and then the, then the, the leader came in and the narcissistic that you laughed all the way to the left all the way to the parking lot. I mean, I'm reading that and goes, yeah, I, I, I deal with that all the time, but you know, in, in the context of ministry, you would think that that wasn't that you would hope that that wouldn't be the case, but you know, unfortunately in a lot of cases, it's true. And there's a lot of narcissists in, in, in every, in, you know, uh, in every organization for the most part, on, if, if there's an organization led by man, there's probably a narcissist somewhere in the organization. Well, and, and I would agree with you there. And here's the thing that I think the call is for all of us to tend to the bracken of our own narcissism. Yes. Where is that person inside of me? And what do I need to do in, in that space? And that, that experience that I, you know, detail in the book was a classic experience of that very kind of external, large person, narcissistic personality. But, but I think the call for the sage is for us to attend to the narcissist inside. Where, where is it that I need to be the biggest person in the room? And then why? And then what am I going to do with that? And then how do I bring some level of uh, kindness and generosity to those parts of me that feel like they need to be big in order to be accepted? Like all of that is the journey that I'm talking about there uh, in that settled contentment and that spacious hospitality uh, is tending to those places in our own in our own place and you bring up narcissism there's a whole bunch of other things we could talk about with i know to- but that one just jumped right off the page <laughs> to me because i you know I, I i see a lot of that in in different different elements of of our, our culture in the professional world and and sometimes i've i've seen it i've actually experienced it on the ministry side of yes and, and and it's like you know you you'd expect to not see it on the ministry side of it it's it's just a strong prevalent there and but i do like it i you know you're not responsible for the the narcissistic person you're responsible for tending your own heart and and i i do appreciate you you know it's kind of like take the plank out of your own eye thing and 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 um to see clearly to to deal with things and i i like you how you pivot back to hey what's in my heart you know take some personal responsibility to deal with the the tears that are in my own heart and get those weeded out so it's 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 a wonderful wonderful example of wonderful example you know what that looks like on a continual basis and that's where going back to what you said a little while ago is that it sometimes we can't see the plank in our own eye. And that is where we need someone like you to walk alongside of someone and ask those kinds of questions and, 
and and not in a shame-filled guilty like you're a terrible person because i see a plank um actually i see a plank because you're a person just by being human you have these things and it takes someone else to kind of read the story a little bit and invite you to consider maybe there are some other ways of being and that's that's why i love what you do well one thing that i've noticed with especially working with so many women um is that so much of our early part of our life is about trying to discover who we are and uh, overcome those insecurities and try to, um, you know, be something and we do things to become versus be and then do. And then how, especially when we make that transition, because like we've become empty nesters a couple of years ago. And what I have found is people saying, well, what's next? Because I've known this, but now I'm transitioning into something new. I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't even know what that is. I want to be a mentor. I want to be life enhancing or life giving to others, but I still have to work on my own stuff. So can you speak to that as far as how do you overcome those insecurities to really step into one, your own heart work, but then walking alongside someone else to help them in their journey? Oh, for sure. So uh, anytime you spend time with me, you're going to hear me talk about story. And you've already heard me mention that a few times. And and I, I talked about the second story and the first story. There is something really important for us to move into that next season of our lives to really read our stories, spend some time, not like, what am I going to do? But what is the story of who I have been? And where have I found life? Where have I found that life for myself, where other people found life that has come from me. And then what are the things that, where I have found death, what has come against me? And what are the places where I just feel like I am just swimming in mud here. And, and I think it's really important for us to read our stories. And this is kind of going back to where we were a few minutes ago is like, what are, what is the bracken that has grown in this place? And what would I like to do with that? I talk a little bit in the book about, uh, you know, you talk about uh, Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. I like to talk about those two and also uh, Ephesians chapter 2, where uh, Paul is, I'm going to summarize it. Paul is talking here and he says that that we, us, you, are the handiwork of God. Mm. And, uh, and, and I love how in some translations the word handiwork is masterpiece. Uh, it is, you know, the 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 work of god and the the word there the greek word there that they're actually translating into masterpiece and and handiwork is poema which is where we get our word poem and poetry and so i i just blows my mind that that in the scriptures it's it says that you are the poetry of god and so some of the work I think of as we move into this, you know, empty nest season and second half of life and, and, and all that, we can just kind of let that coast and let what has been be, or we can take a moment and read the story and return to if God actually did write poetry into my existence, mm -hmm. when he breathed me into existence, what was, what was the song on his breath? And then allowing for me to have a, you know, a coach or a counselor or somebody walking with me to help me put that together and understand a little bit more of who I am 
uh, is, and not just what I do, as you just said, but who I am, and then bring that to bear now in the world. So that I think is actually the fullness of the gift of God yeah. uh, in the glory of God written into who each of us is as that sage, as that elder, as that presence. It's less about what advice that we have to give to people. And it's far more about the presence that we have to give to people. Because uh, ultimately that is what we we long for. That's so good. And that's an invitation too for God to redeem the parts of our story that only he can do. Yes. And that's that beautiful partnership. And one of the things that um, I'm in process of writing about grieving losses, all types of losses, because what I call it is the silent suffering that we don't have the funerals. We don't have that outward expression of the inner grief that we're experiencing from just the life transitions, you know, just moving into the second part of life. There are some losses that we have and we have to grieve, but we have to look back at our story to see what shaped us, what formed us, what caused us to believe things about ourselves, like what you've written about, and then inviting God in to redeem them in yes. the way he wants to, not the way we think we, he should do it. And that's that beautiful part that can give us hope and excitement for the future and inviting God into the purpose he has for our, our life, not just for what we did or what we have been through. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I love that because his purpose is not over. No. Every, every day that we wake up and still have breath in our lungs, it is the same breath that created us. Yeah. Right. That breath is, is gone. So is, there's still purpose for what we are to bring. And I think it's that original purpose that we're always meant to bring. Well, again, I, it, I and again, um, Chris, I, I find it very en enlightening and, and thank you for the book Sage and it takes you, it takes the reader from not just acknowledging what, what happens, what has to be done, but you do provide a, a road, a key roadmap and a building block to actually, to actually move through that process. And, and, um, you know, I see a lot, again, see a lot of materials talk about a lot of things that, you know, okay, we're broken, we need to get fixed, but how do you, we sit there as a culture, as individuals, as groups, as cultures, and, and everybody, yeah, okay, we're broke. Now, how do we Humpty Dumpty this thing back together again? You know, I mean, there's very, very, very few good resources out there in terms of roadmap for moving in the right direction and point and, and, and being healed and allowing God to redeem not only time, but our lives. And um, it's a wonderful, wonderful constructed, um, very, very effectively written in terms of the flow of the book. And then highly recommend it to both men and women alike and, and so forth. So um, thank you for sending that. Just a tremendous read. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. And then Chris, how do people get in touch with you and how do they purchase your books? Because you have three different books. So how would they get in touch with you best? Yeah, so all the books are on Amazon. So you can just search for Sage Chris Bruno or um, The Manmaker Project Chris Bruno and you should be able to grab it on Amazon. That's probably the easiest place to get those. Um, and then uh, if you would like, restorationproject.net slash first chapter. If you wanna download the first chapter from any of the books that I have and kind of get a little sample of that and see where we're headed and, and what some of the things are I talk about, you are welcome to do that there for sure. Oh, that's wonderful. And I will have all that in the show notes too. I just have one more question too, Chris. Yeah. So 
talk to the person that says, you know, what you said, Chris is great. I'll get your book or, you know, listen to you or whatever, but how do I find someone in my life to either be that mentor or, and how do I get healing for my own heart? So then I can come alongside and look for someone to be that sage too. Yeah. Thank you. Well, so I, I would say read through the six things that I talk about uh, that we've referred to here, and then do a little bit of a survey of your world. Is there someone in your family? Is there someone in your church? Is there someone in your community? Is there someone around you who maybe doesn't hundred percent perfectly fit all the categories, but approximates them, comes a little close that you have a sense of like, oh, that person, now I have language for subtle contentment. Now I can say, oh, that's what I feel when I'm in that person's presence. Start to evaluate some of the people that you already know and see if there is someone. And then take the bold step and ask them. Ask them and just say, hey, can I have coffee with you once a month? And I want nothing more from you than just to be with you. Right? Hey, I just want to... Hey. Yeah, Chris, just one thing about those six. Is there any way we can extract patient suffering out of those six? <laughs> I, I wish that were the case. I wish. And, uh, yeah, I, I wish that were the case. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> the reason it's a no is that suffering was also requi required of Christ. Yeah, uh, I know. There's, there is something in there that as we identify with him, yeah. We well, he, he, even he pleaded with the father to take it from him. Well, I, I join you in the, in the plea. I join you in the plea. Um, so, so see if there are some people that you know already in your community that, that could be kind of fitting into some of those things that exemplify those. Because not, um, I think every person gets old, but not every person becomes an elder. Mm, that's, that's really good. And so you, you want to find not just an older person, who's maybe been down the road, but you want to find somebody who really fits in that realm of elder. So that's one thing. And then the second thing is that that elder probably, I, I don't want to say probably, maybe doesn't have the skill set honed mm. in skill set and training to actually do some of the deeper work on your life and your story. And so that is where you're going to want to find a coach or a counselor and, and, and I would even say not all coaches and counselors are created equal either. Exactly. So you want to make sure that you're finding somebody who has uh, an orientation, a faith orientation that you have a, uh, and in my world, it's a story orientation to where they're able to see beyond just the fixes and the techniques and the, and the tips and the programs and those kinds of things where they're actually able to see you. Um, and then I, the final thing I'll say about that is do not hesitate to interview them. Mm. interview them and see how it feels to be with them. Mm. So just because they have the credentials does not mean that they are going to actually be the kind of person that you're going to want to be with. So in the same way that you're looking for that elder person, what does it feel like to be with them? Look for a therapist, a coach, a counselor, a story work coach who you just feel like, oh, it feels good to be in their presence. That's wonderful. What would be an example of a question when you say interview them? What would be an, uh, an example of how would they do that? Yeah. So I, I would say, ask them very boldly, like, do you have, what is your approach towards understanding the human narrative mm. and see what they say? Okay. And if they look uh, blankly at you, you know, they have no clue. Right. right. 
<laughs> and and then if if they give you some kind of clinical answer, right. you're probably not going to be served as well there as you are going to be in in someone who brings in elements of faith or brings brings in elements of like hope and uh, and yeah. kind of a recognition of trauma exists and so does goodness and glory. So yeah. you want to you want to see. So that would be one question. Uh, another question would be, you know, what do you do in the realm of trauma? Mm. So important. What do you do in the realm of trauma? Again, if if they have a program they want to offer you, then I would steer clear. If they have, here's how we are going to walk into the stories of trauma. That's the kind of person you want to work with. Perfect. Because everyone is is unique and God is unique in how they want or how he wants to meet them in their individual story. And it's not a cookie cutter. It's not a formula. If I say faith is not a formula, you just can't plug in these scriptures and make them work. Yes. All the promises of God are yes. And amen in Christ, but there's a lot of things that go into that. So um, that's just such great wisdom. And that's what I love about what you talk about in the sage is that the wisdom from going through all of the years of life and the struggles and that God, it all works for you. It may not have worked for you at that time, but it will work for you because God is going to use all of that for your good. And so I just want to thank you for being on here. Is there anything else that you want to share before we leave? Oh, I just, I just hope that at the end of the day, that in our generation, that there will be a shift to, mm. uh, and I, and I don't want to say shift back to something. Cause I think we can like idealize what was, and there are plenty of things that are, what was are also not good, but I, I, I hope that we can move towards having a generation of sages who then, as I like to say, are the pylons of society, mm. that there is a grounding to our, you know, the next, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, because we need that. We yes. need that so much. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to come. It can't come from younger generations. It has to come from the older generation. Yeah. And, and when I say older, I mean, if you are 35 or older, I'm talking to you here, right? Cause you're moving in that direction. And, and we need to be really intentional about that. I do say it's a second passage, a second passage of a man's life. Um, First passage is when the boy becomes a man. Second passage is when the man becomes a sage. And I think we, we've lost even a sense that there are two passages, which is why I write about both of them. But, but that passage is so important. And I just would love for people to land on, like, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that kind of movement, that kind of growth, that kind of societal shift. And just because you're older does not mean that you are uh, excused. It actually means that now it's your time. Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. Very powerful. Very powerful. All right, Chris. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute joy because we believe in what you're doing. And um, so we're so excited to have you as our new friend and we just champion you in your purpose and your mission in life until next time you were created to thrive. Hey, one last thing. If you have been blessed by this podcast, there is one thing that you can do that would really help me out. If you've been listening and haven't left a comment or a review yet, would you please do that right now? Your reviews help other people become aware of this podcast so they too can grow deeper in their relationship with the Lord. 
So right now, go to Apple iTunes, click on Created to Thrive podcast, scroll all the way down until you see the stars and the review section. Click on that to rate and leave me a review. Then make sure that you're subscribed to the Created to Thrive podcast so you don't miss out on any episode. Thank you so much. This is such a huge blessing to me, and I appreciate you taking time to help me today. God bless.